0: Hello, folks, and welcome back to Pretend Worlds, Real People. As always, I'm Tyler, and I am officially back from Austin after spending a week there for shooting. It was a blast. It was hot. It was humid. But the food, mwah. I had a breakfast biscuit that I've been dreaming about since. It's been like four days, and I'm still dreaming about it. It was so good. But I won't tell you where it's from because that has to be kept in Austin. Uh, Anyway, I would love to get started by introducing this week's guest, someone who is primarily known as a theatrical performer, but in recent years decided to venture off into film and TV and to great results. Most recently, you may have caught her in the film Blackberry, which is one of the best movies of 2023 so far. And honestly, it might be for the rest of the year. It was so good, and she was fantastic in it. But you may have also seen her in an episode of Black Mirror, in Apple TV's C, and a film called Blood Pressure. She is just a fantastic performer, and we chat all about you know her upbringing, uh, discovering her love for theater and performance, moving to a place like Montreal for her education, and then just finding her footing in the theatrical world and has stayed there since. Uh, It was such a joy to chat with her and it is with great, great pleasure for me to introduce to all of you the wonderfully fantastic Michelle Giroux.
1: My name is Michelle Giroux. I am an actor in both Television and film and theater. My background is mainly in the theater. Um, I'm from Toronto originally and went to theater school in Montreal. And um, not long after, came to the Stratford Festival in Stratford, Ontario, Canada, which is now my home. And it's a, a classical theater company where I've spent 14 seasons. Um, but then also um, later in my career, I went to the Canadian Film Centre to study acting there. And, um, so in my later years, I kind of branched into TV and film as well. And then I moved between kind of the three mediums. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: I, I really do have to, to touch on where this started for you. When did you realize you wanted to become maybe not a, a working artist, but you wanted to be involved in theater or some sort of entertainment media? When did that start for you?
1: It started really young, I think. Um, I went to a great high school in Toronto that had, um, a fantastic drama program for kids starting in grade seven through to 13. And I had two amazing women who, who ran that program, Angie Silverstein and Jane Charney, who really had a, a very direct impact on, on, um, you know, my love of the theater and, um, we were a very enthusiastic grade, like a, a lot of us really liked drama and um, loved spending our time with them and learning from them. Um, they were they were incredible teachers. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was through exposure to them and this this wonderful drama program. And then as well, there was a an extracurricular program with the boys school down the road. And um, <laughs> we were all that uh, we were all very keen to join that because we were at an all girls school. Um, but we we mounted full-fledged productions with with the boys' school. And um, so I learned a lot about performance and production there and also made some amazing and lasting friendships. Um, yeah, and then um, I remember fa- deciding I was going to fast track through high school. I was going to do my 12 and 13 year at the same time because I was, I was very, very keen to pursue this as a career. And um, I was looking at university programs and visiting campuses and things, but I wasn't feeling, um, and I don't know if you ever do at that age, but I, I wasn't kind of clicking with, with any of the, the places I was looking at and was feeling a little, bit, um, a little bit lost in my search. And then it was my drama teachers who let me know um, about the National Theatre School in Montreal. And um, I was so young and inexperienced, I, I didn't know that a place like that existed, but I remember feeling like, um, well, incredible excitement and also like the sense of relief that, mm-hmm. that there might be a home like that for me. And so they helped me prepare for, um, you know, that rigorous audition process, um, that we're all put through. If you, if you decide to take that path and, um, and I was accepted. And so, um, so began my journey and, uh, I headed off to Montreal at 17 to study there. Wow. Yeah.
0: Would you, you mind touching on the audition process? <laughs>
1: oh God! Well, you had to have, I think you had to have like, at least four audition pieces. I think I did two classical, and um, I remember I did Lady Anne from Richard III. And I was—this is how young and inexperienced I was. I, I remember preparing it with an English accent,
0: <laughs> and
1: uh, and my uh, my drama teachers kindly kind of coached me away from that. Um, so it was, you know, uh, that was the beginning of my journey of speaking classical text in your own voice you know finding find your own voice inside of Shakespeare um and then I can't remember what my contemporary pieces were but then I, there was a callback process and then there was another callback and I think I remember one of the more challenging exercises for the final callback was you had to do your favorite play in three minutes and I think I did The Glass Menagerie which was uh, a play I'd worked on a little bit in high school I remember I directed um a scene from glass menagerie for, um, my OAC drama project. Um, and yeah, and then, yeah, it was very surprising, but kind of extremely exciting to, to have that door open and, and off I went. And so, yeah.
0: Wow. I, I mean, that's a lot for any performer trying to get into school, but also being at 17, that's, that's a lot just writing on clearly being accepted. And I'm curious to, to see what about the previous schools didn't necessarily click with you. What, what didn't you like about their, either their, uh, not necessarily their programming, but what about it? Maybe atmospherically didn't gel with what you were looking for.
1: I'm sure all the programs in schools were fantastic. And I, you know, I, I don't know if it was the same for you in high school, but you, you, you take, um, guidance classes, you know, in those, in those years leading up to your graduation and you're trying to find yourself and put one foot in front of the other and move into this next phase of life. But I just didn't have beyond, beyond acting itself. I didn't have, I didn't feel drawn or or compelled to seek other avenues. I was kind of very singular in my mindset. And so, um, it was probably only, only for that reason. I mean, I hadn't, you know. I was just very young and inexperienced, still still finding my way. So, yeah, um, I'm sure all those programs were excellent. But um, I don't know, it, my world just opened up when I, I discovered the idea of theatre school. And I know there's, you know, my husband, for example, didn't, didn't go to theatre school. He was a politics major who made a... Um, a very kind of last minute decision to, to give up that path and and move into the world of acting. And he, he learned from, from just doing it. Um, and there's a lot to be said for that too. But I think because I was, I was so young that this particular path suited me at that time. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to watch my peers perform and I ended up in a, in a, in a class at uh, NTS with, I'd say about half the class was a lot older than me. They had been through university programs they had done lots of lots of traveling they had you know been in relationships all these things that I hadn't done yet um so i had i I learned so much from from watching them and being exposed to their work and their life experience and then um yeah the the instructors there um under the leadership of perry schneiderman um were really instrumental in in, um, teaching me about text work and your body as an instrument and movement and um, voice and breath and um, performance and clown and dance, all all these, you know, sword fighting. Yeah, it really um, was very exciting.
0: Yeah, and it's it must've been a hefty education at that young of an age as well to get more in tune with your body and, and the functionality of being a performer in these, th- this myriad of, of different mediums. But I do want to touch on the life experience part of it, you know, going in at, at 17 and just absorbing as much as you could. How did you sort of correlate what you learned in class into your life experience? Did you decide to go out and maybe go on a, a, a short little like rum spring uh, for two weeks to a you know a, a Beachland Avenue or something like that. Or what about going into a school like that so young, uh, without that life experience, w- was different for you compared to your peers? I would say. I mean, do you feel like you you needed to absorb more life experience personally uh, as you were in school, or did you do that afterwards?
1: Oh, probably evolved very quickly through exposure to, you know, I, I was 17. I had people in my class who were like 25 years old. So, and I, I hadn't hung up with any 25 year olds before. So, so I probably, um, yeah, through, through exposure and being a sponge, as I said, you know, learned a lot in leaps and bounds. We were also in, the school is located in, in, um, amazing Montreal, which is, um, I think a lot of the students who who went to NTS to would agree. It's just like this magical town. So it was. Um, we were studying together and working so intensely, and then we could also kind of pour into the streets of the city and go explore this this incredible place. And that was that provided a lot of energy and inspiration too. And we got to see a lot of a lot of French theater while while we were there, and um, French theater has a, a very different style and kind of aesthetic. And um, the actors, the French actors there, are incredible. And so there was there was that kind of backdrop to the experience too that really enhanced things. Um, and then you're also at the school with aspiring directors, playwrights, designers, and so it's it's. it's You're, you're working with, um, people in, in, in other areas of of the theater industry and learning about their process and how to collaborate and things like that. So all those skill sets too, and, you know, deepening your understanding of what each department does and how they contribute to a production Mm -hmm. and learning about process and rehearsal and yeah, 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 it was, it was a great time.
0: It honestly sounds much better Mm than, you know, the typical actor moving to New York city. (laughs) <laughs> to To pick up all of that where you can go to to montreal which I've, I've only heard wonderful things about uh i do want to touch on your not necessarily your family but was there a support with this choice of a career did you have a, a backup plan what was it like approaching your parents and saying i'm going to you know become an actor <laughs> that'll be my career
1: It was probably a pretty strong hesitancy or concern. Um <laughs> I think I think getting into um getting into theater school um might have been a small affirmation for them. You know that okay maybe she's 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 she says she's following her heart and she she might be on a, a good path. And then I had the added bonus of my sister um was a journalist there and she had a, a triplex house in Montreal so I got to live above her and I think that gave that gave them some comfort and solace too that I would be with family and she was watching out over me which is really nice yeah oh, I had that, that security of of her and her family which was was really nice to have when I was there yeah yeah
0: when uh, when did you find that that first drop of success after theater maybe it was during theater school when you did you know find yourself working in these different productions and and paying your way uh when did, when did that start for you
1: um well so then the school kind of um one of the incredible things the school offered um at the start of each school year was they would, um, they would arrange these trips to both the Stratford Festival and the Shaw Festival and you'd see maybe four shows at Stratford and four shows at Shaw. And uh, yeah, it was an incredible trip and a great way to start the school year. And um, that's, that's where I kind of clapped eyes on all these incredible Canadian stage actors. And, um, you know, I would come, come here and see William Hutt play King Lear. And um, one of the NTS graduates, Jordan Petal, I remember played the fool opposite him. And I, I remember that was such a, just a, such a poignant moment to see an NTS graduate stand alongside um, this, this great Canadian pillar like, like Bill Hutt. And so that kind of crystallized something for me. And um, I realized like, okay, this, this could be a path. And over the history of the festival, I think a lot of NTS grads have come this way because you, you you are training in the classics. And so it would be a natural, a natural path for someone possibly um, to to go to Stratford and Shaw. Um, But yeah, these trips kind of, um, they, they, they made a big imprint on me. And um, the, the, the two companies in many ways felt like an extension of school in that. You will be working um, rigorously and extensively with a company of players as you have done with your classmates. And I, I liked the idea of that, um, working with um, a company of players over a long period of time on classical work, that was, that was very appealing to me. And so I was in third year, I was pretty, um, pretty set on auditioning for both, both those companies. Yeah, yeah.
0: If, For lack of a better description, it sounds like, you know, you, you're throwing yourself into the fire there. You're working with these professionals and, and taking in as much as you, you can learn from them. Uh, I actually, just just for my own curiosity, what is your favorite uh, classical piece of theater?
1: That I've been in?
0: Uh, I just just what? any. Uh, it doesn't have to be one you've been in, but one that you you enjoy watching more than than any other. If you have one.
1: Um. Well, um, probably uh, here in Stratford, go, going to the theater and seeing a Shakespeare production is probably one of my most favorite things to do. Um, and sharing sharing the stage with with some of the great actors here is is such a pleasure. Um, there was. Um, an actor here by the name of Brian Bedford, who really um, became a, an incredible mentor of mine. And he was um, a brilliant actor um, in many, in, in many uh, areas, but um, especially in English comedy. And <laughs> I, um, I've done two no Coward productions with him, um, one called Present Laughter and another called Blythe, Blythe spirit, and um, it's like a master class. Working under his his leadership, and um, he taught me so much about variety and specificity and energy on stage, and um, and detail. And um, so, you rehearsing with him was a master class, and then the joy of performing with him. Uh, while you're learning all those lessons this is really incredible so my time working on noel coward with brian i think i'll I'll hold very close to my heart um he's since passed away and he's left Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a gaping hole but um he's he's well loved and known up here and uh yeah he, he was incredible
0: wow did you, I mean, up until his passing, of course, did you, uh, have a chance to, you know, watch more of his work and, and keep that bond going or. Oh God.
1: Yeah. I was like a puppy in his lap. Like, I just, <laughs> Yeah. I, he's, um, exceedingly charming and so, so lovely and generous, um, as a, as a human and as a, t- as a teacher and director and stage partner. Um, yeah, we became very close and, uh, developed a long lasting friendship um, which is one of the things you're afforded when you you know you're in a season that runs nine months long you really you can um, you can develop some really long lasting and important friendships both professionally and just casually too yeah
0: yeah it's it's crazy I I haven't had a chance to to work on a a stage play unfortunately but uh, I can only relate to that feeling of a sense of studying with the same, the same, the same artists at a, uh, an acting studio and, you know, having that, that time together and and building those bonds. Uh, I do want to, to touch on, not necessarily the the pivot of going to film and TV, but what caused you to expand into, you know, the, the on-camera work? What was it about it that, uh, that interested you in the first place?
1: I guess it was kind of, my curiosity, the, my curiosity about it, it, it was, it was always there, Um, but it was very much on a theater path. Um, But I, I had a great kind of hesitancy and self-consciousness being a stage actor and wondering if there's, you know, a place for me in TV and film. And I was also very shy and like, just didn't like having my photo taken and stuff. I remember at our wedding, I, I was like, this is this is a real hurdle for me. Like I'd love I'd love to have some wedding photos taken, but I I just I'm so uncomfortable in front of the camera. And I remember that was one of the first times I, I kind of brought that into focus. I was like I have to get I have to get over this. I have to find a way of just being being natural and not let, letting the f- the the camera kind of capture these 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 moments that I want to cherish for the rest of my life. So that was this funny little exercise, but then, um, and it, I guess it kind of worked to a to a degree. But then, yes, there's this amazing film school called the Canadian Film Center, founded by Norman Jewison up here in Toronto, and um, they had a directing program, and a producing program, and a screenwriting program, um, but they didn't have an actors conservatory and. Um, I remember there's a big announcement that this this program was being founded, and um, yes, yeah, so I I put in an application, I auditioned for that, and I I had um, I mean I I desperately wanted to to do it, but I I thought oh I'm this you know I'm I'm probably too old at this point, and so firmly rooted in the theater they it's not going to happen, but I, I, I was accepted. And so in my early thirties, I, I went there and, um, I was surprised by how, um, welcoming, receptive they were to someone like me. And, but they, they had a great respect for the theater and theater performance. And they knew that an actor could really sort of carve their, their teeth in that medium. And so, um, were, I think there were three of us with like a really strong theater background in the class of eight, and um, yeah, they were they were very very kind and generous in in welcoming us, and um, and so that was, that was a six month long program. And again, you you can work very intensely and um, with with a, a small group of people, and you have the privilege of of watching their work, which is i love I love learning from watching um as much as doing, and so there were there were hours and hours and hours of practice and um we we created our own our own short films and shot them with um people from different departments of the school and um yeah it was a transformative time and it it felt like a little a little bit like it kind of destigmatized um Things for me as a as a theater artist, and I felt like, oh, I can I can straddle these these two worlds, and without being um, self conscious and uh, about that, without apologizing for being a theater performer, yeah. and um, yeah, and so I I returned to the world of TV and film auditioning um, after graduating from there with a very different mindset and uh, like a a quiet confidence about. How I'd approach my preparation for the auditions, how I would work in the room, you know, during those five, ten minutes that you have with a casting director. I was I was um I had matured and could kind of I knew how to work productively and and um kind of operate inside inside that world. So that was a great gift to me from the school. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, having all of that training in the theater and, and constantly being around, you know, various people in the same room and, and giving off a, you know, a performance on the fly, did any of that feel a little jarring despite, you know, the, the newfound confidence and the training when you, mm. you know, first heard action and you're in front of a camera and all these lights on, you know, professional film set, did any of that momentarily, you know, scare you or did you just fall right into character and went right into it?
1: probably somewhere in between, like, um, (laughs) I'd be like, you know, I could identify what a boom is and, um, where the DP was. And I knew what an AD was and, you know, I, um, but yes, that what was new to me was, because it's very different than the theater, um, how an actor moves through a film set, how you spend your time. Um, in what can be a very technical medium in a way sometimes with theater the the actors the storytellers are at the center of the work and film is so technical by by contrast so um yes how to be how to exist inside that that film or tv space with so so many technical elements going on around you that was that that particular moment that's where i began my exploration of that and i imagine it's it's ongoing it's something you you do for your whole life because every film set is different and every every budget and story and uh cast you know so you're kind of learning that on the fly but hopefully you get a little bit better with with practice and one one tv or film experience explore inform, it informs how you operate you know the next time you have a have a chance to do so I always leave with like ah why did you you know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> with some major regret about what I did with my scene or why I didn't ask the question of blah 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 but you know but that's that's learning that's growth and yeah you trust it can it can be solved in the edit or whatever or some things you just have to let go pick your battles but yeah inevitably I always always you know uh beat myself up about something, but, um, yeah,
0: yeah, that, that is the process. That's the agonizing process, right? <laughs> you, uh, you make it, you might even not, uh, I guess necessarily make it back home after the shoot, but, you know, maybe you're in a car and, you know, you're going back to your hotel or, or whatever's going on and you take a, a small micro nap in the back seat and the second your eyes shut, you're at peace. And then that thought comes up, why did you <laughs> yeah. do that? And it's just, <laughs> Yeah, that that constant uh, just uh, <laughs> internal monologue that that'll play. But uh, speaking on that, I'd be remiss if I if I didn't bring up, you know, your most recent project, which is the Blackberry film, uh, which I personally think is one of the best movies to, to come out this year so far and more people need to see it. Uh, I do want to see what your experience was like, you know, maybe the the audition process for that and then actually shooting it. How how was that whole experience for you?
1: Um, It was lovely and smooth. And um, well, the writing is, is so good as you know, if you've seen the the film. And so it was a pleasure to audition for, and it was just a a self tape from sent from home. And, um, but the producer, Matthew Miller, one of the producers on the project, who's um, a lovely human, I had worked with before on a project called Blood Pressure, which is one of the first um, films I did out of uh, film school. And so um, I knew him and had great respect for him. And um, I came to the, you know, it was I came to the process, I think it's literally one of the last days of shooting. So they were already, you know, it was a very well-oiled machine. And but that created a nervousness in me too because I'm jumping on this, you know, fast moving train and I want to serve the story but I haven't been been um you know around and exposed to the culture of the the set and and the energy and things like that. But um having that connection with the producer certainly helped and they were so kind and and uh and receptive. And um yes, I got to work with Jay Baruchel who's um uh, a really very nice, authentic guy, and um such a good actor and so so, we got to play around and it was very casual and relaxed, and they made me feel very much at home and uh, I got to and then they they brought me back months later, which was an interesting challenge just to remember remember the world and remember you know what makes this woman tick and the stakes of the the story and things like that. That was a good, good little exercise to jump back on. It must have been—I'm uh, guessing—but like two, two or three months later. So, um, and then I, I went to the premiere, which was a really exciting launch in Toronto. And uh, yeah, it was a, a pleasure to be a part of. It's a great—it's a great Canadian story. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I—I I had no idea. I had a BlackBerry for a small period of time. In college, and I had no idea they were a Canadian company. So, <laughs> <There you laughs> so go. much of it came to light. But um,
1: yeah, I bet, yeah, I bet a lot of people don't know that story. Yeah, yeah,
0: it, it's absolutely fantastic, and I, I commend you for going back for reshoots months later and. It, you know if there was a a separation between you know what was shot before and what was shot after and then put it together it it, it seemed very continuous and streamlined so hats off to you there was never a moment where i thought wait a second this seems like <laughs> yeah. she's she's losing it, it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um, uh as we, uh, we we get closer to the end of this uh episode i do have to ask you if you have a party story you could share with our listeners uh, something that has occurred throughout your, you know, your stage career, your film career, uh, something, I mean, it's usually pretty funny. could also be scary. could be, uh, just a little bit jarring, but, uh, just an experience you had that stands out so immensely, you could easily recant it amongst friends at a party.
1: Oh God. Well, hmm. I did, I did a production of the importance of being earnest. Do you know that Oscar Wilde play?
0: I do. I do
1: um here at the Stratford Festival when I was much younger and uh there is a a tea scene between Cecily and Gwendolyn um i think it's act 2 and um we had these beautiful frocks and um it's a the scene um in our production took place in the garden with these beautiful topiaries and um the sound of birds tweeting in the background and things um and there was a terrace and yeah topiaries and anyway a giant set behind us and she and I were each on benches on either side of of the stage I remember having yeah tea and sandwiches and um, it's a real sparring scene and you have to be fast and quick-witted in in um in your rapport with each other. And so you, you, it really required incredible concentration. And um, I was always nervous because I wanted to, to serve the scene well, but I remember um, (laughs) it was a matinee and the, (laughs) the entire set fell over (laughs) behind us in the middle, in the middle of the scene, like it, it collapsed. Um, And you, you're working so, (laughs) so hard to create like this reality and be authentic and, you know, get all your laughs and manage your teacups and stuff. But the entire set fell over, and uh, oh my gosh! You could hear like all these murmurs throughout the audience, and you freeze. You know, in your in your frock, like oh, how do we navigate this? Do we keep going or? That um, <laughs> yeah, was disastrous. And then, strangely, that same year, the same scene. It was another matinee, and it was a a a, a big house with. Um, the balcony um in the middle of the scene there was uh this one afternoon there was a bam 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 bam, coming from the the balcony and um we kept going but you could again hear (laughs) you could again hear murmurs in the audience and stuff and people the audience kind of was not quite listening because this pounding sound was coming from from up there and I could see (laughs) if you can imagine you're trying to to do the play and I could see like ushers and flashlights and kind of a scurry of activity in the balcony and they were making (laughs) making their way towards these exit doors and um, the audience turning around whatever and they opened these doors and light came pouring into the theater again like all sense of reality and you know (laughs) is is lost entirely and there were these two kind kind of slightly um drunk people looking for a buck and (laughs) dough. do you know what that is
0: i have no idea but now i have to know
1: (laughs) it's like it's a it's a super fun party you can throw um um with friends and family before you get married to kind of pull some cash together for the married couple and it would often involve you know drinking and yummy food and festivities, but I mean, these people <laughs> had had a few cocktails and they were terribly lost and instead were pounding on the doors of, of this theatre instead of, you know, the Legion or wherever they were supposed to be going. So it was <laughs> it was just like, it was just the strangest thing to have happen in this, um, this wonderful scene, you know, twice in a season. But um, there you go, that's live theatre for you, right? Has anyone
0: decided to to utilize, I'm sure it's happened in every single, you know, uh, house, but a, a play that has all that chaos occurring, but there's still a play going on and it's all done on purpose.
1: <laughs> has anyone what? See that again?
0: Like, I, I'm just, I'm trying to figure out a way to, to put it, but let's just say a chaotic version of the theatrical experience where things do go wrong and there's interruptions, but it's all part of the story. <laughs>
1: Have you seen Noises Off? I
0: have not.
1: Is that... It's it's a brilliant production that Brian Bedford, uh, okay. a brilliant show rather that Brian Bedford happened to have directed here and I'm sure there's other great productions elsewhere, but it's a very fast-paced comedy that takes place both, um, on both sides of the set. So it follows the, the lives of the actors backstage behind the scenes and then also their their performances and it's, it's wickedly funny. It's oh, my substitute.
0: God. I know all my uh, all my theater friends are currently just blowing up my email as they listen to this. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you haven't seen Noises Up. Uh, OK, <laughs> cool. Well, I wrote that down next time I have a chance to watch it. I definitely will. because That sounds amazing. Um, moving into the last few questions I have for you, I, I do want to ask you, do you have any advice or maybe some uh some points of wisdom you've personally held on to during your career that you could pass on to our listeners anything that's that's helped you specifically
1: how much time do you have no i'm just kidding Um, (laughs) uh, well it it changes and it's ever Mm -hmm. evolving You know, I I sometimes teach and coach, like, third years, people who are about to step out into the industry. And um, I guess one thing I would offer, because it's been a comfort to me, um, is, um, like, participate in the culture. Mm. Go see plays. Go see lots of plays. That's where your community is, where you're going to find connection, where you're going to find your people. And you're going to be inspired and the work will be thought provoking if you didn't necessarily enjoy the production it's still going to spark um ideas in your in your imagination and and your creativity um, so i think it's really important to to engage to participate um similarly with television and film like watch the shows go see movies um learn about all the different genres and the amazing writing that's happening right now. Follow some actors that you love, follow their performances closely. Um, Particularly, you know, those who have been doing it for a long time, study those performances are a gift. You can learn so much from them. And then maybe also find um, a couple, if if you're a a young artist, maybe find a few young artists out there that are playing roles that you kind of feel an affinity to and that speak to you and that you could you can envision yourself playing. Like, yeah, watch them and see how they do it. But um, sometimes for whatever reason, life life pulls me away from, from, from doing this. And I always find when I reconnect, I, I feel realigned and back on track, even through times of uncertainty or where there's a reprieve in your work or you don't know where your next job is coming from that 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 would be a small a small thing i'd offer a, a suggestion um and then when you do work when the work does come prepare prepare for that experience as best you can like give it your everything know that story know your lines from front to back and upside down and all around because you're going to be there'll be so many other variables many of which you can't control but the one thing you can control is is how how you prepare for that experience and then um you'll be you'll be well armed and positioned for success when you do that it's such an it's it's a very uncomfortable feeling isn't it and sometimes it can't be avoided because something's thrown at you very quickly and you have to you have to put together um in a very short amount of time but if you're given the gift of time use it don't don't pass on that opportunity um yeah and i think that will help with any any it will help combat nervousness and and any insecurity you might have you could say this may happen and this may happen and this may happen but i've i've done my work and and yeah that hopefully will will give you a a sense of peace somehow like a, a little bit of a little bit bit of peace and confidence as you approach the the, the project how's that
0: that's <laughs> absolutely wonderful no i oh. i love every single thing you just said uh and so much of it uh especially right now at least in in the states where you know possibility of sag going on strike uh those will really hit because if we we're you know going on strike and we're not working for most of the summer find yeah. ways of of uh relieving yourself of you know feeling burdened or uh you know distraught that kind of thing and also when you're preparing for for work that's <laughs> finding yeah. that peace in in and of itself uh, to uh to just relax go on set and, and completely own it uh yeah one of the last things I have for you is if you have anything I can give a shout out to or promote within the episode notes. Uh, so it could be, you know, an upcoming show. It could be a charity you really believe in. Is there anything that comes to mind I could put down for you?
1: Um, I have, I have a project, but I'm not sure if I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure I can talk about it, but uh, <laughs> I would give, I would give a shout out to my sister if that's okay. She's oh, a absolutely. She's a producing partner on a series called Little Bird, which has just launched on Crave. It's their first original drama, um, and uh, the first episode is is available to watch. And um, I went to the the premiere here in Toronto, and um, it's really it's really beautiful. Another amazing Canadian project. And if you like going to the theater here at Stratford, it's opening week, and so. There's some great work being done. Um, I just went to see my husband's um, preview of Much Ado About Nothing, uh, starring Graham Amby and Mev Beattie and directed by the amazing Chris Abraham. It's it's a really fantastic production. And um, Spamalot just opened as did another play called Casey and Diana. They're all um, really beautiful productions. So if you feel like going to see a show,
0: There, there they are. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Oh yeah. That's all going in. Uh, I, I, yeah, I have, I think I'm out of, uh, out of questions. I have one more thing to do before we uh, we conclude this recording, but this has been an immense pleasure chatting with you and talking to you about theater, your love for theater, your, your career. It's just that this is why the show exists uh, I just, I love talking to artists and I can, I can hear the passion coming out of your voice and it's just, uh, it's been wonderful. Um, I have one more thing to do and it's what I like to call an awkward goodbye, uh, based loosely on I'm a scene from sure Wayne's world. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> an awkward zoom goodbye. I think I oh, got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, you know what, I should make it a little harder in the future because I think as actors, you know, if you have an online callback over Zoom, nothing's more awkward than when they say, okay, uh, thank you. And you can't just walk out of the room. You have to smile and search for the bar. And, Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry, I interrupted you. Okay, so how do you do oh, it? Oh, no, no, no.
0: Um, all I'm going to do is I'll give you a silent three, two, one countdown. And when I point to the camera, just give me your best verbal and visual awkward goodbye, and I will stop the recording from there. Does that sound good?
1: So it's to the camera.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> you got an it.
1: awkward goodbye.
0: Awkward goodbye. All right, Michelle. Here we go. In.
1: Oh, we started? Should I say goodbye now? Should I? Okay. Goodbye. And thank you. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, all the best to you. Oh, Should I just, maybe I'll just press leave then. Sorry. Can you hear me? Okay.